Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Scott Luton, Greg White, and Kevin L. Jackson here with you uh, for Supply Chain Now's latest live stream. It's the Supply Chain Buzz coming to you every Monday at 12 noon Eastern time. So welcome to today's show. Okay, Gregory, how are we doing? I'm doing well, Scott. How are you, Scott? <laughs> that I tried reminds to pull me, it off. <laughs> that reminds me of one of my favorite uh, Andy Griffith episodes where they're helping uh, a, a gentleman uh, get, get learn how to date. And he's got about three things he can share at a dinner party, uh, Greg and Kevin. But Kevin, Kevin L. Jackson, the one and only, tuned in with us here today. Kevin, how you doing? Hello, Scott. I am very well today. Kevin is busy. <laughs> I am Kevin's avatar. How can I help you? <laughs> Kevin, I think you've seen that, that, that uh, show as well. <laughs> Hello, um, Kevin. <laughs> it is good to see you again. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Well, hey, it's bo- it's great to have you both. Uh, Greg, of course, we do this every Monday at 12 noon. We get a bunch of great comments from our listeners across the globe and one of our favorite parts. So, folks, we are going to dive into stories, uh, some of the key stories that you've got to have on your radar uh, across global business. And today is the Digital Transformers edition yes, of yes. the Supply Chain Buzz, right? It's it's uh, Kevin L. Jackson's takeover, Greg. Yeah. I'm just going to sit here and be quiet. No, no, you better not. Please. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that because you know that's impossible, Kevin. I'm scared. Please help me. <laughs> We're going to be talking about a variety of topics, especially from a technology perspective. And as we mentioned, we want to hear from you. we got a bunch of folks we're going to say hello to in the comments and cheap seats. And we'd love for y'all to weigh in as we work our way through. Um, before we say hello really quick, I want to share a couple of events that we want to invite folks to be a part of. Right. The Shiphawk webinar is coming up right around the corner next week. It's August 24th, uh, 12 noon. We're going to be talking about key elements to a successful WMS lifecycle. Greg should be, you know, air, warehouse management systems, all the rage these days. Yeah. Uh, we should have gotten into that industry, I tell you, uh, but should be an interesting conversation, right? You know, Scott, two decades ago, more than that, 25 years ago, no, just more than two decades ago. That's it. That's right. I thought that industry was flooded, like, uh, you know, overrun. Right. But when you read the statistics, you realize that there are so many companies out there operating let's just say uh, flying without a net, right? right? As the great Walendas used to do. So um, yeah, it's it's fascinating how much opportunity there is in that industry. And there are maybe literally thousands of warehouse management systems out there. Man, so. everywhere. Well, you know, Greg and Kevin, uh, I was given a little inside joke uh, from our friends at Shiphawk, because Bob and Ron there have done a lot of work over over the last several decades, and they've had a lot of fun with uh, the uh, Ron Ronald Reagan 
and Bobby Kennedy. So we're, get, oh. <laughs> we're getting quite the duo. A little play on their names there. Uh, but Kevin, WMAT, we, we, we lost you for a second, but you're back with us. I'm good. Uh, Thank you. I'm sure you're getting a call from the White House or from uh, some mover or shaker across the globe. It but was the metaverse calling. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, one more I, event. Literally, uh, I was on. I got. I was on a panel. Uh, I was in Las Vegas for right for Black Hat uh, 2022. Right. With, you know, thirty thousand of my favorite friends, and we were all talking <laughs> about uh, you know cybersecurity. But I was on a panel. It was metaverse or metaverse. Ah, <laughs> hmm, that is cybersecurity in the metaverse. The trillion dollar question, and yeah. uh, Kevin, we'll have to do metaverse one hundred and one at some point soon. I think a lot of folks uh, are working their way through that one. But hey, really quick here, I love that idea. See, by the way, yeah, that'd be that'd be a fascinating uh, show for sure. Really quick, <clears throat> I should have had the eighteenth cup of coffee this morning. Throat's a little bit itchy, but uh, August 31st, we uh, also have an upcoming webinar with our friends at Six River Systems, and they're hosting this event. It's kind of like basically more of a, a virtual conversation, really. Uh, Y'all check that out. Wednesday, August 31st at 12 in Eastern Time. It's all focused on how to use data to improve fulfillment operations. Mm. So check that out. That'll tie uh, another, right into the old WMS thing. That's right. Fact, right? Order management and all of that. Yeah. That's right. Um, okay. So Greg and Kevin, mm -hmm. uh, we've got three stories teed up. But before we get there, we've got a bunch of uh, great people in the cheap seats. Let's say well, hello to a Hey, it's football season, man. Now they're not the cheap seats. They're the club uh, seats. Club seats. Club level seats. We've got to change yes. our jargon we, we around here. We have zero here. days or zero weeks without football starting Saturday. That's right. beautiful. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Hey, we got you guys this Saturday. You know that, Kevin. Yes, you're in Kansas City this this Saturday. I can't wait to see Taylor. Do you still have Taylor Heineke, the inventor uh, of the Heineke maneuver? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Happening over the last yeah yeah. What happened last night? Seriously. <laughs> well, Kevin's still trying to get over the uh, utter collapse of the the Nationals before we move Gosh, on to the Commanders. You're so mean, uh, Kevin. Where all in good you fun. Brought that up, man. <laughs> all in good fun. All in good fun. <laughs> all you're right. Getting an attitude, you know that, don't you? <laughs> uh, let's say hello, uh, Josh Goody. Great to have you back from Seattle. Good morning to you via LinkedIn. Hope this finds you well. Looking forward to your perspective throughout the day. Of course, uh, Catherine, Amanda, Clay, Chantel, you name it, the whole uh, A-team, production team are here with us. Catherine, great to see you here today. Ahmad, via LinkedIn, hello to you. Let us know where you're tuned in from. We love connecting the dots, but great to have you here. Uh, Philando from Huntsville, Alabama, via LinkedIn. Have you ever been to Huntsville, Kevin or Greg? Oh, yeah. Huntsville's great. Actually... Um, I've been uh, binging on uh, For All Mankind. It's about the, uh, it's a new interpretation of the Apollo programs when the uh, the Russians landed on the moon first. And it's uh, a lot of it, uh, Huntsville is plays big in that, uh, in the storyline there. Interesting. I'm going to have to check that out. Of course, it's well known for its connections to NASA. Greg, you've been to Huntsville? 
I haven't, but my youngest brother has. He went to space camp there. Really? So, yeah. He became a literal space cadet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's right. Nothing wrong with that at all. That was especially as big, especially after the movie back in like 85 or 86. And I, uh, I think every kid in, in the country wanted to be a part of space camp. Uh, but Philando, great to have you here. 85 or 86. Is that the right stuff? No, that it's a movie called Space Camp. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I did not know uh, that. Kevin, have you seen Space Camp, the movie? I have not seen the movie, but I have heard of it. Um, so uh, it's pretty good. It's a movie. Oh, it's good. great. You got you got to check it out. Of course, Kevin actually ha has actual experience yeah. working with NASA. Yeah, he wasn't but, uh, a kid. <laughs> <laughs> we'll save that for that another show. Really that sounds it sounds really dumb <laughs> asking him anything about NASA, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, we get a lot of work done at Kennedy, actually. Mm, mm. Yeah. Emanuela, uh, great to see you here via LinkedIn. Let us know where you are tuned in from. Look forward to your perspective. Sayantin, uh, I believe. Uh, we've had a couple exchanges. He's been with us for a couple of our live streams. I think he's looking for what's next in his career. Uh, so let us know uh, how we can help. But great to have you here, as always. Natalie's back with us. Whoa. Uh, from the Charlotte area, I believe. Uh, last time she was with us, Kevin and Greg, I think she was headed to the beach. Um, and I think we were the last live stream on her way out. So Natalie, let us know how the vacation went. That's right. Yeah, Patrick Kelly, what's going on? Uh, host, Produce of course, podcast, of the right? Yes. Greg, you beat me to it. Sorry. Uh, yeah, sorry. That was sort of stream of consciousness. <laughs> he says, I'm not in the cheap seats. I feel like a VIP, baby. I love, I love the VIP. I'm talking about James Malley, the one and only, is back with us. You know, we had a great webinar conversation with James and and uh uh Will from Stored and um the third gentleman, one of uh the Packard team's advisors. I can't remember his name right off. But regardless, James, great to have you here and love the Packard story. Greg James. Call Costco, please. I don't know if we should go into detail here. Just please call Costco. <laughs> Two orders, five days, five shipments, six boxes. Wow. So help them. And Give them a call. Yeah. Give them a call. Yeah. Hey, Kevin, on that show with uh, James Malley, I'll pull him right back up. So do we have James Malley and then we had Rick Jones and Kevin, we wish we had repackaged it as the Rick James supply chain hour. <laughs> that would have been awesome. <laughs> so James, great to see you here. Uh, Alimi uh, via LinkedIn or maybe Alimi. Uh, but regardless, let's know. We try to get everyone's name right. Uh, sometimes I put the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. Uh, that happens from time to time. But great to have you here via LinkedIn. Is that, a, is that that Atlantic act, Atlanta thing <laughs> coming out? Jeez. I think it is, Greg. <laughs> then again, I can't use the Atlanta excuse because uh, we got William Shakespeare who has some of his roots in the Atlanta area. So it could be just a looting thing, Kevin. <laughs> Uh, we have Byron is back with us. Byron, great to see you uh, uh, via LinkedIn from Texas. Uh, really enjoy your perspective. Joey's back in the house with us from Minnesota. Uh, Joey, always enjoy your perspective here. Uh, let's see here. Patrick says, I can't always, not always with you. Uh, wait, no, no, check that. 
I am always with you. May not be live, but always catch up YouTube and Apple. Hey, Patrick, we appreciate that. Yeah. This might be his avatar calling in anyway. <laughs> I see somebody from India, too. Wow. That must be late there. Oh, man. Tuned in across the globe for sure. Julia's back with us. Uh, Juan, great to see you here via LinkedIn. Samuel is tuned in. Y'all make sure to let, you let us know where you're tuned in from. But great to see you here today. I know we couldn't hit everybody, but we 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 want to hear from you. We're going to work through our, work our way through three stories here today, and we right. want to uh, add your perspective in addition to Greg and Kevin's in our chat here. No so, with all of that said, Greg and uh, Kevin, are y'all ready to dive into the first story? Hey, that said, can we talk about that for just a second? Oh, sure. Yeah, please. So we have this new newsletter, which uh, our marketing department so stealthy, right? Uh, LinkedIn <laughs> newsletter <clears throat> called That Said. And, and Scott, please explain the uh, format for that sucker because I think it's really valuable. I appreciate that. Uh, so our team came up with this. You know, there's so many great content creators, you know, Greg, Kevin, Kelly, Corinne, um, Billy, you know, the whole uh, Mary Kate, the whole, the whole team, right? Well, you know, in the world of social media these days, it's uh, content's like a tidal wave. It keeps on coming. It's easy to lose sight of even some of your favorites. Yeah. So what we have, what we're attempting to do is the kind of every Saturday, um, especially with content that stems from LinkedIn, which seems to be everybody one, everybody's favorite platform as of late, at least. We're trying to make sure you don't miss some of these weekly messages from our hosts and our team, and some of the opportunities to really plug in, uh, and even you know, do good, uh, which is so important. So yeah. we're going to try to drop that. Um, we're still, we're still kind of tweaking. Uh, the first one hit Saturday, right. And went out to all of our almost 60,000 followers on LinkedIn. And we're going to still kind of tweak the, the, the format a little bit. We'll probably tweak, you know, when it goes out and the cadence. Uh, but it's focused on a weekly message of, of really good information, uh, and content that's very actionable, uh, informative, uh, and, Give you some ways that you can, um, you know, you can with a couple clicks, you can plug into some of the some of the cool things coming up. Yeah, so read the darn thing and give us some feedback. <laughs> right. Uh, and, in other words, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, in other words, it's going to be the next newsletter, uh, Kevin. <laughs> this one's uh, oh, <laughs> kidding, but I, I like that. So with that, yeah. <laughs> with that said, it's kind of uh, the flag that it is flying under. Uh, by the way. James Malley says, hey, Greg, I called Costco, but they said I need to have a membership to sell them cartonization tech. I have a membership. Make me an advisor, James. We'll get in there. Oh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Sounds good to me. Uh, I can okay. give them firsthand reasoning as to why they need to do something. Oh, man. Wonderful. That's a conversation to be had. Okay, so I'm going to pull up our graphic because we're going to dive into our first story. All of these really kind of focused on the intersection, although it's, it's – it's it's less the intersection. It's just kind of how it is these days. The marriage mm -hmm. between supply chain and technology. Yeah. But let me share this graphic here because uh, I want to start today's conversation with this report via Harvard Business Review, which is an excellent publication. Uh, you could get a degree just reading that every day. Um, it focuses on how digital transformation is driving a lot of change when it comes to relationships and how they're evolving across global supply chains. So, Kevin, tell us more. Yeah. So, um, you know, digital transformation is, is really creating brand new products and processes and services. Um, but 
the uh, organizations and their partners across their ecosystem really have to manage the relationships as well because they are morphing. Um, for instance, how can you do collaborative forecasting um, without leveraging machine learning uh, in, in your processes, in your algorithms? You really have to understand and leverage real-time information in order to understand the, the buying patterns. And that's not just people that are interacting directly with you, but they're interacting with your partners. Um, uh, and how does that affect demand? Um, the other thing is that uh, warehousing. I mean, uh, you know, you lose money if you're just putting product in a warehouse and nobody's buying it, it's just sitting there being stored. So now we're really transitioning to into on-demand warehousing. Uh, and there are companies out there that may you may want to see as a partner that identify unused industrial storage, and then it makes it available sort of on a on-demand, short-term basis. So if you can re reduce that um, uh, inventory that's just sitting in the warehouse uh, waiting around. The other thing is that you may need to relook at your own key performance indicators uh, that you use to right, really measure yourself and, and how you're doing. Uh, and it, it can also be used to help understand the value of digitization. For instance, a lot of organizations are leveraging partners to deliver their products to their customers. Um, think uh, uh, Uber Foods or um, Grubhub, right? Uh, these partners are, are delivery pooling services, to right. be honest. Um, and these arrangements are really uh, weren't available before uh, people started staying at home and uh, needing to, uh, uh, and companies needed to partner with these delivery services. So now you, instead of just looking at traditional tracking uh, indicators, you may need to look at the gains that you may have gotten from pooling uh, delivery arrangements. That's what the restaurants are doing. Right. Same thing with uh, delivery um, at home. Um, from uh, so these new digital enabled services uh, need to be folded into your your KPIs, and these are relationships across your ecosystem, across your supply chain. That's right. Well said, there, Kevin. A lot of good stuff. Uh, Greg, coming to you. Your thoughts. Yeah, well, to think that supply chain <clears throat> was never inner enterprise to begin with is folly. But honestly, we tried to we treated it like that for a long, long time. And this mass availability of data and connectors that Kevin is talking about in this Harvard uh, article talks about uh, is a huge enabler for for enterprises, right? And it allows them to communicate with their trading partners with their uh, product movers, it it helps to e even service providers like 3PLs, the, the people who might store a Whirlpool pool fridge over here and a Maytag fridge. Does Maytag still make fridges? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I thought you were there. about to say, I thought you were about to say Whirlpool 
as if you were from deep in southern Alabama. Whirlpool. Is that I how you say it? I'm sorry. I said, <laughs> I don't know. That's Whirlpool. What <laughs> that's more LA. trailer park. Sorry about that. That's right, Kevin. Um, that's where I'm from. So, uh, <laughs> so, so I think that you know that those that uh, recognition of the inner enterprise nature of supply chain and the enablement that occurs with data and and integrations between companies is really really important. And it's absolutely it's not really important. It's absolutely mission critical to to supply chain and. You know, it's part of the reason that we got so far afield when part of the reason when the pandemic hit. Of course, nobody could right. have foreseen that. Right. But um, but it was exacerbated by the fact and and it obviated the fact that companies were not connected. So, um, yeah, that's hugely important. And there, you know, there are companies striving to to make those connections. But I think important this article talks about how you as a practitioner need to manage your own enterprise in you know when you have all of these players in the game including the digital technologies that you might be using yep well said uh, a couple quick comments first off i want to welcome in uh zuhair from morocco's first time here uh first a new member of our supply chain now fam uh global f uh, fam at that so welcome in uh looking forward yeah, to your perspective cool. here um also, a, a couple quick things on the story to add to what Greg and Kevin has shared. You know, my dear friend, Mark Preston, who Greg sometimes joins us here, mm -hmm. uh, I'll, I'll always remember, he said, you know, as he was making this point on a keynote, you got to think about your inventory as if it's all two gallons of milk. And the longer it sits, the longer it's going to cost you, to Kevin's point. Um, and also, speaking to one of the examples, um, maybe two things that this article touched on, that I think really helps people visualize some of what we're talking about here. You know, the example of the infant pacifier, a modern one, right, which is connected via the IoT. I think you use this as an example. I didn't see any company names reference, but think about that. Uh, it's connected. It it might be gathering body temperature or other metrics. So for the uh, to really take advantage of the opportunity and maximize it, think about the deeper and um, a more in tune relationship that the manufacturer must have with its suppliers, with retailers to really um, um, execute on the art of the possible there. Right. Um, I think the other thing that touched on, we, we, we may touch on this later in our third story is this Walmart go local program, uh, how that's powering different relationships with, you know, maybe not direct competitors, but at least some sorts of competitors with other retailers. And now it's helping them compete in this modern environment, this modern uh, commerce, I'm dropping E, Greg, this modern commerce environment. So y'all check this out. We're, at all, we're all speaking to this Harvard Business Review article, Digital Transformation is Changing Supply Chain Relationships, and give us your take. Yeah, um, one other thing, just, yeah, just go ahead. Uh, not to really understand what it takes to communicate across these new relationships. So it's really important to be able to communicate to, to your partners as well. Agreed. Not Absolutely. Connect, not just connect, but communicate. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, one thing we have to be aware of is the um, quality of data that could be received because I just happened to have spent five days with my granddaughter uh, and her pacifier over the last several days. And it spends <laughs> as much time in the, on the floor 
or <laughs> in the sink as it does in her mouth. That kid can launch that thing. <laughs> oh, I um, love it. So, uh, but I mean, it, it is an example of where, I mean, it could be, it could be attempting to get data. Um, mom, like a good mother, right? Thing hits the floor, she rinses it off, wipes it off in her mouth, and then sticks it in the kid's mouth, right? <laughs> so, I mean, whose body temperature are you, are you really... Uh, are you really measuring? So there's all of those kind of challenges, of course. And of course, that's just a fun analogy, isn't it? It really is. <laughs> that we can all day, relate to. What's that, Kevin? Day, in my day, a connected pacifier was just tied around the <laughs> Yeah, neck. it was like a, it was like a necklace. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. With things yarn, changed. Right? I mean, it <laughs> right. Yeah. Yarn. Oh, man. Those days. As much as I reminisce quite fondly on those days, I'm glad that my kids don't use pacifiers. I'm glad they can get into their car seats and buckle themselves. That was a, that was a different <laughs> life when all three of our, our kids could do that. But uh, Just wait till they uh, can drive and go run, run oh, errands to get gro- groceries and stuff, man. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's freeing. It's, oh, at the man. same time, it's harrowing. It's freeing. <laughs> well, Greg and Kevin, I think we uh, we we. We nailed that, that first story. Nailed that one in so many different ways. We're, I want to welcome in one of our fa- uh, favorite members of the uh, our fam here, Gene Pledger from North Alabama. Great to see you here today. Better late than never, for sure. Uh, Ka- uh, Catherine has dropped the link to our, with all that said, uh, newsletter. Y'all check that out. And there was one other comment Jer- here. This is from Jerry. Uh, via LinkedIn, uh, Greg and Kevin. He says, speed to market used to mean how fast can you get the consignment to the customer? Now it means how quickly can providers get their customers critical information so they can make a business decision? Excellent point there, Jerry. Mm, that is okay. great, a great analysis right there. Isn't it? Isn't it? Uh, all right. And speaking of connection and communicate, uh, T-Squared, who holds down the Fort Force on YouTube, says, Looks like a Procter & Gamble program with a slight twist is the new overall uh, mantra in these new business relationships. Connect, communicate, and develop. CCD. Okay. I want to uh, move right along. I want to move into this next story here, Kevin and mm-hmm. Greg. And this is all about uh, where Jabil has identified six key intelligent digital supply chain trends. And before you say, oh, great. More the same. Well, some of it, but some of it are going to be different twists with a focus on on the trend part versus yeah. identifying you know certain types of technology. Now we probably Kevin and Greg don't have the time to work through each one, but Kevin, I thought you know maybe you pick two, your two or three favorites or most relevant or most powerful and share those with us, uh, Kevin. Yeah, sure. Thanks. Yeah, there are, there are the five separate ones that they sort of highlight and the. The, the two I really like is uh, one on, on product complexity. Um, you know, you, you, uh, products are changing just as rapidly as the environment that we're operating in. Uh, they're becoming more sophisticated, more complex. And one thing that's driving them is very inexpensive microsensor technology along with wireless connectivity, that connected part, you know, uh, about that connected pacifier. Um, So this is turning these basic goods, like clothing, appliances, 
pacifiers and, and vending machines into intelligent systems. So now you have an intelligent pacifier. It knows when it's wet. It knows when it's on the floor. <laughs> it knows when it's in the mama's mouth or the baby's yeah. mouth. Yeah, I mean, it could, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> so you really need to be able to understand that data is much more complicated to build than the predecessors. Um, and the, the other thing I'd, I'd like to talk about is the, the collapsing product life cycles. All right. People, uh, the, the product and renewal cycles are really shortening. Think about your own smartphone. There was a time in the not too distant past where you would get a smartphone and you would keep it for, you know, two years, three years right. before you, you turned it in and you're, you know, go back to your, uh, uh, your provider and they'd give you a new one. Okay. Keep you on that, on that leash. But then and they sold those phones to you, right? You, they actually built the purchase price into the service. Right. Then they found a new way to make money. They would lease the phone to you. And you would be locked into a lease for about a year with the phone. But that, that, that renewal cycle shortened from two to three years to a year because they, they want to get the new technology to you much faster. But now technology is going even faster than a year. And every few months, there's some new capability you want in your smartphone. You know, and the, the, the um, teleco providers, uh, you know, unfortunately, the existing model, they lock you into a year. So you can't get that newest capability until, you know, a year down the road. And that's why right now the new trend is renting your phone so that you can swap out your, your smartphone every month or two. Right. Uh, so these, these shortening product and service renewal cycles place a much greater demand for more proactive forecasting and planning on the supply chain, all right? So you need to really have prescriptive and predictive analytics to increase accuracy uh, amid these, these rapid changes. Mm. Well said, Kevin. And Greg, you touched on one of our favorite things to talk about around here, uh, planning, of <laughs> course. But your thoughts on these, uh, these six trends uh, or others that uh, Jabil had identified. Yeah, I think um, one that will evolve into greater outsourcing is the outsourcing of manufacturing. I mean, if you think about uh, the proliferation of brands from influencers um, on Instagram and, and TikTok and wherever else that I don't know, um, right? <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah. Um, on to, TikTok all the time. To companies that are long, that have been long-term brands and not great performers at supply chain, um, I think we'll not only see outsourced manufacturing, but we'll also see outsourced supply chains, supply chains as a service. I have long believed that many companies, Macy's and, uh, and, and um, who, by the way, has kind of gotten their act together, 
can't believe I said that. Um, uh, <laughs> you, you know, and and other brands, Adidas and others, they're really good at branding. They're really good at the complex product part of it, and they're really good at marketing that product. But they are lousy, and frankly, don't want to be good mm. at supply chain. And I think more and more companies will start to divest themselves of that supply chain. You know, the, the outgrowth of three PLs and um, and outsourced manufacturing could combine into not just outsourced physical supply chain operations, but also the technical supply right. chain operations, right? Why plan or forecast when you're lousy at it? Every year it's proven, right? That retailers, especially with fashion, short life cycle, and in this year, highly seasonable, seasonal products, right? Target, right. Walmart, yeah. Kohl's, all devastated their earnings with horrible buying decisions on, for instance, my favorite patio furniture, which by the way, arrived last week, Scott, at an incredible <laughs> discount. Thanks to Costco. Offered a fall. <laughs> um, so anyway, I, I think that, that is, uh, is, is a really important, um, uh, evolution. Also the notion of savvy or even just the presence of supply chain in the C-suite and and most importantly, not even the presence of chief procurement and chief supply chain officers, but the recognition by the rest of the C-suite that this is an important thing, not a necessary evil, that it is the enabler of the entire brand experience of sales, of finance, of revenue, right? Of and delivering the brand promise of marketing. So I think that that is uh, really, really critical evolution and that recognition and that awareness by the consumer also will will force companies to become much, much more serious about their their supply chain operations. It's not a cost saving in initiative. Right. That's right. Well said. Uh, a lot of good stuff there between the two of you all, especially uh, speak of the devil. Mark Preston, I was just talking about Mark a second ago. He's with us here. Uh, now, Mark is doing big things with Kohler now. So keep oh that my. in perspective as I share his comment. Because as uh, Mark is speaking to Greg and Kevin's mark shifting market, uh, he goes, Mark says, maybe we can rent out toilets instead of selling them. What a great idea, laughs. Um, they've been doing that, by the way, for decades in Europe. You can pay money to you to use a artistic even looking uh public facility so well you know speaking of uh i saw a documentary uh on a more serious note uh on um might have been amazon prime and it was talking about how globally there's actually uh, uh one of the big global challenges is ha everyone having toilets and and a means of of effectively dealing with um you know sewage and instead of sitting in holes in some villages around the world, it really was eye-opening to something mm -hmm. that we all kind of take for granted, you know, here in the state. So um, anyway, y'all check. You can Google for that. Uh, make sure you connect with old Mark Preston. He's been doing big things for for quite some time in industry. Uh, and I thought Kevin, the radio toilets was called porta potties. What? Well, that's a good point. <laughs> now they come in big old trailers too, and they're pretty yeah. fancy. It it right. is amazing. It is amazing right. what I they mean, do. Yeah, it is pretty impressive. Um, and it's also amazing how some folks uh, see a, st uh, a row of porta potties at different sporting events as a perfect um, 
uh, stadium for racing over the tops of these port these porta uh, porta potties. Have you ever, you ever seen the races that go that take place across them, the top of them? No. Oh boy, uh, we'll have to u- talk. Is that another useless YouTube channel? Definitely. Okay. Definitely. Uh, check that out, especially in the later later in the day at uh, um, at where massive amounts of adult beverages may may have been consumed. <laughs> um, all right. So Joey shares a great comment here, kind of getting back, getting us back on track. Uh, Joey shares data analytics and business transparency between both partners is no longer a nice to have. It's a must have in order to continue to thrive, keep up with your competition and take on additional market share. Unfortunately, we have seen it. Those that put supply chain visibility in the back burner aren't put, putting their organization in a position to maximize its potential. Well Putting said, a Joey. risk, as a matter of fact, right? To Agreed. Brand identity and performance. Yep. Well, and to that end, uh, Kevin, you and Greg, as we were talking about this article from Jabil, um, both took some of my favorites. And this is nothing new. Uh, you know, Greg, we've been talking about uh, evolving generational expectations probably since the first episodes here. You know, if, if you don't, know and acknowledge that, then you, you've got your head in a hole somewhere. Um, right. And then also the newfound levels, all-time high record uh, amount of levels of supply chain savviness we've got in the C-suite. And I would argue that both of those dynamics are are, are great for industry. All right. Great, great for industry. Um, okay. So Kevin and Greg, man, we are taking deeper dives uh, on these articles today. There's so much to, to tackle in the world of global business today, but let's move to this third one. This is a, um, I think this is a fascinating study. Mm-hmm. And this comes to us from our friends at Intelligent Automation Network. And it's an inter- interesting read uh, on how all the global disruption and, and supply chain challenges, amongst other things, all that's driving real transformation, innovation, competition, co-opetition, uh, as some folks have put it. <laughs> um yeah, at the world's two, two, two of the world's biggest brands, right? Amazon and Walmart. Yeah. So, Kevin, yeah. I'm going to start with you. I can't wait for both of y'all's take on this here. Kevin, tell us more. Well, well really what they did is they, they understanding the, the current state of change across uh, uh, digital supply chain. Uh, they were looking at these two companies, Amazon and Walmart, to see where were they investing with respect to digitizing uh, their supply chains. Um, and uh, so softening demand and inflation, labor disputes, it is always something new that you have to respond to in the marketplace. And these things today are threatening the recovery of the supply chain from the issues it had during the pandemic, all right? So resilience is a really important aspect. So how is Amazon and Walmart addressing this? Amazon, for instance, has deployed over 520,000 warehouse robots, right, across more than 1,200 fulfillment centers. Hmm. Right? This is a huge, huge number of, 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 of robots. Um, they're... You know, they've always been known as leading edge, but this this automation that they're, they're driving. But but look at the other side of this automation. This is at, they may also exhaust its entire available fulfillment center 
labor pool in some of their key areas. So people may say, well, they're, they're hiring all these robots. You know, what about people's jobs? Well, in areas like Phoenix, Memphis, and Wilmington, Delaware, there just are not enough people <laughs> to actually man these fulfillment centers. So the robots aren't taking jobs. These jobs can't be filled. Mm. Um, so they are really also leveraging a lot of advanced applications for artificial intelligence and data analytics to, uh, to drive the last mile delivery uh, requirements. Uh, they're investing actually about $1 billion in companies that are developing new, more advanced supply chain technologies. So not to be outdistanced by Amazon, Walmart is right there, okay? They are pouring billions of dollars into reinventing their supply chain as well. Their, their focus is to deliver a seamless omni-channel experience to their customers. For instance, they have established a blockchain relationship and partnership with companies, supplier companies like Dole and Kroger, McCormick, Nestle, Tyson's Foods, right. and Unilever. So they're leveraging blockchain to build brand new applications to help increase food traceability. With Project Gigaton, they have a partnership initiative to eliminate 1 billion metric tons of greenhouse gases from its global supply chain by 2030. And the AI provider, Symbiotic, right, is automating dozens of the Walmart distribution centers in the district around District of Columbia here where I live right. and, and beyond. So make begs the question, what are you doing to automate your supply chain? Mm. Well, you know, we've got a billion dollar fund who, here at Supply Chain now too, Greg and Kevin. Uh, but uh, kidding aside, a Brazilian. Yes, a Brazilian, <laughs> Brazilian dollars. <laughs> so Greg, after Kevin kind of laid it out, and again, we're talking about this uh, this uh, great and short but informational read supply chain woes inspire transformation, Amazon versus Walmart. Let me go pop some popcorn really quick and grab my diet Coke because I can't, <laughs> I just can't wait to hear what Greg's take is here. Greg. Well, you can't even begin to list the number of companies that both of these entities have bought over the last several years, mine included. Um, and, and many more. And in fact, uh, just midweek last week, um, in, in my newsletter, um, we talked about another company that Walmart has bought. I mean, if you think about it, they bought Jet, right? I don't think anybody even remembers that, Jet.com, to become an e-commerce, a real e-commerce player, right? And it has only continued from there as the complexities of the supply chain are revealed to them. Amazon, on the other hand, they didn't want to be a supply chain company. They were forced to be by the abject failure of the U.S. Postal Service, UPS, and FedEx in 2014, mm. and again in 2017 during peak season, and they took their fate into their own hands and became a supply chain 
company. They realized that they could not count on because of the volume that they do. I mean, let's face it, right? The largest, second largest retailer in the world. Guess who's the first? Walmart. Um, did you guess, Scott? I'm sorry. I, just <laughs> whispered. I, I got it right. Yeah, I good. got it right. Um, so, uh, so, you know, they've had to become one and they have in, you know, um, and right quickly and in mass to Kevin's uh, point, but they recognize the need to become efficient as early as 2005 or six when they bought a company called Kiva that it was the launching pad for those 520,000 robots that they have. So yep. they have facilities, Amazon does, that are virtually lights out, 2 million square feet, maybe between 15 and 30 human beings work in, in there. And many of them are maintenance, by the way. Um, and then the facilities basically navigate themselves. It is unbelievable um, operation at Amazon. And, and of course, because of the volumes that they're doing, they're facing problems and in creating innovations and, and acquiring or, or developing solutions that are um, solving problems that almost nobody has, except maybe for Walmart and Target and a few other um, companies that are really really big. So the big get bigger, but the good news is they're those companies that they're buying, they're creating liquidity events for really talented founders who after their two years of golden handcuffs wear off, can go off and start another company, um, you know, in an area of the supply chain where there's opportunities. So they are also helping to nurture, I bet this isn't the direction you thought it would go, Scott. Mm -mm. <laughs> they are also helping to nurture innovation in the supply chain because as people see what they're doing, companies are developing an every man's, for lack of a better term, version of that technology for the smaller companies in the industry. And they're, they're pressure testing incredible amounts. Both of these companies are pressure testing incredible amounts of uh, of technology f for um, for really talented founders, giving them a leg up, giving them the opportunity to go off and create even better or maybe another niche service out there in the industry. So uh, it's big. It's a great service. I don't think anyone's going to, this is the part you were expecting, Scott, is Amazon, Walmart continue to get bigger. Remember, the old days when everyone was afraid of Walmart taking over, right? And and now Walmart almost seems like the underdog, although they are a much, much bigger enterprise, though they'll probably be eclipsed by Amazon in the next three years. Um, but they are a much, much bigger enterprise, and everyone is worried about Amazon. Right. A, a concern well-placed because even Walmart has shown greater... Restraint, yeah. let's just put it delicately, restraint in terms of um, management of their customer base. Gosh, I don't know what else to say. But um, and, and even they are friendlier to their suppliers than Amazon is. So it's going to be interesting as these two companies evolve. Agreed. And Walmart's it, no longer acting like a monopoly. Mm, yeah. Interesting. You know, they I are, still remember. They, they do act uh, like an 800 pound gorilla still, if you're a vendor to them. Um, 
but even they are starting to realize that they can't sustain that because every year they have to find a new sucker. Just like when government gives out a, <laughs> a contract, there's always some idiot that's willing to think they can believe they can build business with them. And, and, you know, you always start at 15 cents and then they whittle you down to 14, 13, 12, and you realize you'd be better without that volume. So I, I think they're starting to develop, Kevin, to your point, they're starting to develop more of a nurturing, more of a really, truly collaborative partnership with their trading partners. All right. Well, let me get a word in while Greg takes a sip. Um, <laughs> I strategically held that. Uh, but, you know, I remember, to Greg, you mentioned, uh, you know, how not too long ago in the not-so-distant future, everyone worried about Walmart taking over. It made me think of when Walmart first came to Aiken, South Carolina. And I still remember walking into the store for the first time. I still remember where it is, where it was. It's since moved to a much bigger location. But even at the time, in that initial kind of Walmart 1.0 expansion, I'll call it maybe, in the early 80s, um, just the uh, just how different and how big. I still remember the smell of this Walmart story. It really, it, it blew my mind as a kid. Um, and then fast forward now, where... It has been trying to catch up after several years of getting uh, beaten to some extent uh, with Amazon. Uh, it's tough to, you know, the world's largest retailer is tough to consider it being beaten, you know, in many ways. But as Greg, as we've talked about on countless shows, you know, it has been uh, losing, losing some traction. So it's, it's really good to see how Walmart has leaned into um, doing things differently and not sitting on its laurels of how it got to where it was, you know, a, you know, up to a few years ago, and it'll be it'll be fascinating to see these two duke it out and continue to make ripple uh, ripple effect. Not not continue to make ripple. Different different analogy. They continue only buy to have ripple. A, they don't make it <laughs> right. <laughs> continue to have a ripple effect uh, across uh, industry. Um, okay, we got a ton of comments. Uh, I want to get to Greg and Kevin as we kind of come down the the last stretch, and then I've got a question for you, Kevin, uh, from our dear friend. Uh, in just a moment, I'm opposed to you. First off, Natalie says that their 3PL partner implemented robots in January, February 2020. They bolstered our business through the pandemic, and we were able to grow in that time. That's great. By the way, we were able to take over all Amazon business as direct fulfillment when they were only bringing in essential product. Go robots. Go Good robots. for you. How about yeah. that? Uh, Master Sergeant Jeremy Durr, great to have you here with us again. Says Sears used the rule of roost once upon a time. So true, Greg. We've talked, chatted about that plenty That's of times. Company that rested on its laurels. I mean, let's think just a brief explanation of Sears. If you don't know who they are, they literally invented catalog retail. You could buy mm. an entire house, every screw, nail, nut, bolt, plumbing, everything that you thing. needed to buy how to build a house. You could buy it, and they would ship it to you. And this was a company that couldn't see the forest for the trees or couldn't change because of their business model. And now finally, by the way, have reached a liquidation agreement with their private equity vulture and, um, (laughs) and, and their, and their remaining shareholders to probably end the Sears brand forever. So that, that is a company that could have, and by all rights should have been able to evolve, which makes what Walmart has done, an even greater accomplishment because they 
also got caught on the back foot, but they were able to transform their business and, and not just survive, but hold on to that top retail slot for a lot longer. Agreed. Yeah, Agreed. Comments. I know that the tagline was Sears has everything. And you remember that Sears was at the head and we were worrying about Crow, not, uh, was a Kmart. Kmart was coming strong, right? Right now, where's Kmart? <laughs> Kmart sucks. So, <laughs> sorry. Uh, this is my brain impersonation. <laughs> Safita, uh, Savita says to add to Kevin's points, robots also decrease the costs and also increase inventory accuracy. Inventory accuracy, Savita says, is a major challenge that Amen. retailers deal with. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see here. Um, Jerry says A P A and P, right? The old grocery store was one yeah. that rested on its laurels. Wow, we had one of those in Aiken. Um, but I want to get back to a quick question. And, and uh, Kevin, we're going to have to get your Reader's Digest version of this, your your tick your TikTok version of your answer to this question. I some music. Need to so, some music. <laughs> so Jeremy <laughs> is asking when you were, when you mentioned blockchain earlier in terms of how. You know, Walmart and Amazon are leveraging that technology, or maybe back to that middle article. Um, is it in relationship to digital documentation, for example, proof of delivery? Can you speak a little bit to how you see blockchain being used there? Yeah. So when when you if you look at blockchain as just digital documentation, it's sort of like looking like looking at an online form where people fill out an online form and then you uh, print it. And you route it, write the paper. All right. Blockchain is much more than digital documentation. Um, sustainability is a big issue. So you need to be certified. So you need to like uh, have uh, people that inspect processes, uh, things like anti-slavery, preventing uh, slave labor. You need to have people that verify and, and do digital signatures. Provenance, um, Greg, provenance. right? Um, exactly. And what about uh, things like reducing the use of water um, when, you're, when you're doing farming or uh, the, re reducing the, the use of chemicals or organic farming? You really, there's all types of verifications Right. that require digital signatures. And this is captured on the blockchain as well, um, as well as ensuring that the farmers, for instance, get paid fairly for what they're doing. So blockchain does a lot more than just digital documentation. Yeah, agreed. And one quick comment, and Greg, I'll get your comment. Is it also uh, all those things while also preventing some of the reindeer games that other ways of conducting some of those transactions, you know, where there could be a lack of trust or a lack of legitimacy or uh, a a faulty provenance for lack of a better phrase. So um, lack of provenance. Yes. Lack of provenance. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, all right. So Greg, get your quick comment there and we've got a couple other things to get to. Yeah. I think verification is exactly the word. Uh, that I extracted from what Kevin said. That's what blockchain does. So anywhere you need verification, verification of identity, of provenance, of, I mean, of, um, of delivery, handoff, whatever you want to say. That's what that is where blockchain plays in the supply chain. I see a future where we verify that it was this person 
that signed for this trailer, right? And broke this seal. And that's just one example, but there, you know, there are all kinds of ways to determine that, you know, that we uh, take down a lot of the old school ways, stuff falling off the back of trailers, cigarettes falling into the good fellas hands and that kind of thing. Right. That a lot of that will, uh, a lot of the opportunity for that will go away once Brock, once we have figured out how to implement blockchain appropriately. It reduces costs, it reduces losses, um, and increases uh, the value across the, the, the value chain. Right. But we also, as an industry, we've got a big task uh, from an education standpoint. There's lots of um, professionals at all levels that are still wrapping their head around how blockchain works to some of the things that both of y'all have shared. Um, but hey, that's the case with any any new uh, technology, whether it can transform the world or, or transform a certain sector. So Greg and Kevin, I appreciate y'all's comments around blockchain. Folks, we may finish just a couple minutes over today. It's a jam-packed version of the buzz. Uh, and Greg and Kevin clearly not only ate their Wheaties, but also drank uh, math, copious amounts of coffee this morning. Catherine, There's too much to comment on. What's that, Kevin? Catherine, slow up the clock. Do your job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Save us so, ourselves. That's right. Uh, Rhonda says, you know, Rhonda is out there in Arizona, uh, where I believe Greg, we, we, where we interviewed the chief supply chain officer at Sweetwater. I think that's one of their, where their big new location they, they were is going there, in. Yeah. Right. So Rhonda says, and great to see you uh, here today, Dr. Rhonda. She says, interesting, Kevin, Arizona is booming with new warehousing in the West Valley. Job market is hot, as you mentioned, for fulfillment uh, talent as well. Her husband works on the highway construction side, and it seems the past two years, that's all the company he works for is supporting. Hot, hot industry there. Um, Literally hot in Phoenix. Yes, no, no kidding. Now, at the same time, uh, we've seen Greg and Kevin. We talked about this thing in the last live stream. You know, Amazon. Speaking of, they they have uh, shelved certain new. I think up to twenty new fulfillment centers have been shelved uh, because demand is has been weakening weakening a little bit or not growing as fast. Rather, uh, maybe it's a better way, more accurate way of putting it. So mi- mixed signals out in the marketplace for sure. Uh, let's see here. Natalie says collaborative relationships can foster ideas for the Walmarts and Amazons to implement or consider for improvements. Some, sometimes the vendors and suppliers see what doesn't work better than the customer team. Absolutely. Um, uh, Mass Sergeant Jeremy During says digital signature tech is out there. The military has been using it for years with the common access card. Um, and finally, the one and only Kim Winter Greg is with us. Top show gents. Big thanks from DXB. Uh Dubai. Okay. Is that is that the international airport? That may be uh, the airport. Yeah, he may okay. he, I don't know if he's actually at the airport or just Okay. You know. Like we say <laughs> ATL, right? Gotcha. 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 Well, reg- regardless, Kim, great to have you. Thanks for tuning in and looking forward to catching up with you soon. Okay. Greg and Kevin, man, I knew we had a dump truck full today, a perspective (laughs) to to drop on folks or to inform folks, but uh, y'all both both really brought it. Try to say that seven times fast. I want to ask you both about a couple of quick things. So first off, um, Kevin, Digital Transformers continues 
to uh, do big things and and grow its global listener base and and have some uh, really meaningful conversations. Uh, I pulled the last graphic here. This is, I think, from the last episode that yeah. was published. Um, whether you speak to that or you speak to the next show that's coming up, what is coming next from Digital Transformers? Well, well I tell you, that last show was a blockbuster. Uh, we had Dr. Camille Jones from the um, U.S. Census Bureau talking about how blockchain is being used to uh, uh, actually accelerate and provide providence uh, to medical uh, claims uh, when the enumerators go out and uh, do, do their job, trying to uh, reduce the paperwork and make the process quicker. Yeah. But next, next Monday, we have our uh, July episode. It is July, right? No, it's August. It's July. <laughs> I thought you were messing with me, Kevin. (laughs) (laughs) Our August show comes out next Monday. And we have uh, sponsored by AT&T Business. And um, Teresa Lanowitz is going to talk about the um, uh, how connectivity is is changing uh, uh, the industry with, with respect to uh, 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 supply chain connectivity uh, and how cybersecurity is really play, playing into that in, uh, around the, uh, uh, the, the the industry. So that's going to be a, a huge. We we had her we had her on earlier about healthcare. Um, so uh, that this is going to be a, a great show. So so stay tuned for that. Um, and, and also let's see. September. I'm, oh, actually, I'm going to be going to the Mobile World Congress in Vegas next month. So uh, the reason I bring that up because Dr. Uh, Jones will be yes. speaking live uh, at that show, and before that, uh, there's going to we're going to have a webinar uh, coming up uh, in uh, September as well. So there's a lot, a lot of things happening. Uh, looking forward to it uh, as you help to power a tr- uh, transformative day for movers and shakers across the globe. I think that's one of your your sign your key sign off there. I love that um, you got the modest touch. Uh, and Greg, I should have um, I should have got, gotten a snippet of of one of your supply chain summaries uh, today. You published uh, focused on the flow program, right? The the uh, right. White House has been. Um, pulling together and, and driving collaboration on, and you, you some great thoughts there. In fact, uh, as I scroll through it here on LinkedIn, uh, Jeremy Durings, who, who's with us today, has chimed in. As yeah. did Julia, who's also with us today. Uh, Sandia, many lots of comments, uh, which is my favorite part. We get to hear from Greg, and then I love seeing the conversations that kind of flow from no pun intended the supply chain summary. But tell us. How can folks lean into that, and when do you publish these uh, these things? Yeah, sure. Today I may have had a little bit of fun at our uh, government's expense, any government's <laughs> expense, frankly, um, and government expense. Now, those are two words that often go together, aren't they? Uh, but every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, um, I publish a, a, a newsletter and uh, feature one of the articles on LinkedIn and Twitter on LinkedIn, I actually do a commentary um, where, uh, frankly, sometimes the the title or the the article is just a catalyst for whatever 
I turn it into in terms of of a commentary. Usually, it is usually on the topic or on the article, something like that. And uh, today, I I chose the folly of politicians telling supply mm-hmm. chain practitioners how to do their jobs. Um, because you know, politicians have a job, Mm. right? They, they create a budget. They then allocate that budget. Then they monitor that budget. And then they are, they are very carefully held accountable and, um, yeah, never mind. I'm sorry. (laughs) Politicians' jobs are to get reelected. So they basically just pander to us Mm. a few weeks before the election so we forget all the bad stuff they've done for the last, and they want to tell supply chain people how to run supply chains. You got to be joking. So that, right. I was joking in a lot of cases <laughs> on that. <laughs> so the long and short of that is check out, you got to make sure you, the follower connect with Greg on LinkedIn first, or right? hit even that though bell. you know, I've got a, and, and maybe you should do that on, on, uh, all of our, by the way, if you want to follow any of us or whether you follow us or not, if you want to make sure you're notified when we publish content, you can hit a bell that's on our profile and then you will definitely be notified. Scott and I talk all the time, right, Scott, about yes. how sometimes we don't even see each other's posts unless we call each other out on it because of the way the algorithm works. But you can overcome that with that bell. Yes, that's right. Uh, and and uh, and we're enlisting Kevin L. Jackson's uh, uh, top-notch expertise to crack that algorithm and figure out how we can sh- uh, more freely share information and perspective. Uh, but hey, speaking of which, uh, I want to share a couple of comments. And I think, and I, I'm sure Amanda and Catherine will keep me on my toes if I get this wrong. So I'm counting on y'all. So I think this is from Savita, I believe who says from the 1962's top 10 retailers, it was only Walmart who remained in business in 1993. Rest of them were acquired or bankrupt. Times certainly change. Yeah. And then Safita, Savita says, great discussion. Thank you, Greg and Kevin. Yeah, what you. am I over here? Chop liver. <laughs> 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 I'm just kidding. Do, they do take you a little for granted, Scott. Because oh, you, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm only, only in good fun, right? Only in good yeah. fun. I, I appreciate it. Uh, Savita, all your comments here today. Of course, Mark she, Preston. She has the power here. It's okay. Yeah. Thank you, Savita. Well, <laughs> Greg and I really appreciate you. Yes, that's right. <laughs> we do appreciate you. We wouldn't be here uh, without you. I mean, literally, Kevin, we would uh, be that's right. here. <laughs> well, great to have all the comments here. Uh, Mark, Kim, uh, Julia, uh, Walmart remained due to their low price cost strategy enabled by their supply chain strategies and tactics. It, it, you know, Walmart, I think. The business history on Walmart, especially from a supply chain perspective, would be a, a fascinating one. That's a wholly a great comment there. Okay, let's let's see if I was right. Yes. Okay. Great. Thank you, Amanda and uh, Catherine, Clay and Chantel, the whole production team. Thanks for keeping us on our toes today. Uh, big thanks to all the folks that tuned in via the um, we renamed club level club seats. Club seats, Greg. Yep. Club seats. Club seats it was, or box it, seats in baseball season. Yeah. That's right. There, it was jammed. Seat in the house. That's right. The the smartest people are in our club seats. I'm gonna tell you. Uh, Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful (laughs) um, comments across. And thank you, Mark. Uh, He says, "I learned from Scott that Walmart in South Carolina smells funny." Oh gosh, (laughs) smells like yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh, Greg, I heard that. Uh, but hey, Greg and Kevin, a pleasure. Uh, Kevin, thanks so much for taking some time out of your busy schedule, uh, uh, global travel schedule um, here. Sounds like you're back in Vegas soon and you're yes. just in Vegas. Um, hope uh, may, I wish you all the best of luck as you get out and enjoy yourself uh, amongst those conversations. But thanks for for joining us here today. Well, you know, you, you, we all have to get back out in that post-COVID world. That's not really reality. I understand we're never going to have a post-COVID world. COVID is yep. here to stay. We just have to deal with it. Do that, your that's business. Right. <laughs> that is mind your business, right, Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Greg, always a pleasure yeah, to knock likewise. out these conversations uh, with you. And hey, uh, Jerry, thanks for the feedback. Uh, I think if if we all had a little more time, we would have booked three hours on these topics. I agree. Really, e each of these topics could have been an hour plus uh, in and of themselves. So I appreciate you being here, and thanks for your your feedback there. Um, okay. Hold on a sec. I keep wanting to sign off, but I keep seeing things. We hadn't seen Mervin in quite some time. Yeah. Mervin, how you doing? Arlen, Great to see right? you. Yes, that's right. So, Mervin. Man. I hope this finds you and your family well, and thanks for being here, and we'll have to catch up soon. Um, okay, Greg and Kevin, appreciate y'all's time here today. Love the discussions we had. To everyone in uh, the club seats, the box seats, Good thanks crowd. for being here. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, thanks for, for dropping your perspective, just like we asked for on the front end. Uh, we had it by the truckload. Again, big thanks to our production team. But folks, to our listeners, if you take anything away, and Greg and Kevin certainly put on a master class in many ways today, but if you take anything away, uh, Scott Luton challenging you to, hey, do good, to give forward, and to be the change that's needed. Be like Greg and Kevin. With that said, we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at SupplyChainNow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. <laughs>